You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you'll be encouraged from this message from the book of Joel. You know, over the last few summers, my family and I went to the shore for vacation. And one of our favorite things to do while at the shore is grabbing some boogie boards and catching some serious surf, if you know what I'm saying. This guy from Troop catching surf down in Jersey. Um, Now, even though catching waves is a blast, I'll admit that uh, whenever we go, it's still a little nerve-wracking. For example, last year, there were shark sightings in our area. In fact, when we were in the water with our kids, there were literally shark fins within 20 yards of us on several occasions over the course of three days. And if that wasn't enough, there was warnings of riptides, how to spot a riptide, and what to do if the ocean sucks you away from the shore. And then, of course, there were signs about jellyfish Uh, being all over the place. And as I'm saying it out loud, it's making me wonder, why in the world do we go to the shore in the first place, right? (laughs) It's like a death sentence. Um, Nevertheless, as a father of three kids, I I exercised some uh, extra precaution when we went to the shore. I gave my children some specific instructions on where I expected them to be and how I expected them to uh, act while in the water. And in a nutshell, it was simple. They were to stay close to me at all times and don't wander off. However, because the waves were so strong and uh, there'd be times where they would get tossed and, and turned about in the water and they would drift away from me just because the ocean is so strong. And because the ocean is so loud and so distracting, as a dad, I would look over and see my kids like way over there and I'd be screaming, I'd be having my arms up I'd be, and I'd be swimming after them as fast as I could. I was, to the people on the shoreline, it probably looked extreme, but as a father of three kids, I was willing to go to the extreme to make sure my kids didn't get eaten by a shark or sucked away by the ocean or stung by a jellyfish, right? That's what we do as, as parents. And this got me to thinking, if I, as an earthly father, am willing to go to the extreme to get my children's attention to prevent them from being swept away by the waters... How much more will God, as our Heavenly Father, go to the extreme to get his children's attention and prevent them from being swept away by the world? How much more will God go to the extreme to come after his children when we wander away from him? Church, as I look back over the last three months, I can't help but wonder, is God using extreme measures to get our attention? And if so, what is he trying to say to us? You know, friends, I'm no prophet. We're going to be studying a prophet this morning. I'm no prophet. But I think it would be foolish to deny that something as unprecedented as the COVID-19 pandemic is anything less than God's sovereign attempt to get the attention of his children. In fact, all throughout the Old Testament, we see how God used extreme measures like a national calamity to get the attention of his own people. Now, sure, there were times when God used a national calamity to get the attention of an unbeliever, for example, like Nebuchadnezzar. But for the most part, God used them to awaken his own people. And so this morning, we're going to begin a new study in the Old Testament book of Joel, where we find God's people faced with an unprecedented calamity. 
It was a major crisis that the Lord used to get their attention. And through today's study, we're going to be reminded of a very timely and very important truth for today. And it's this. God's people must see sin as God sees sin. God's people must see sin as God sees sin. So if you would join me, open up your Bibles to the book of Joel. If you don't have a Bible with you, you could grab a pew Bible. It's page 760 in your pew Bible. And uh, while you're turning to Joel, I'm just going to ask God's blessing on our time in his word this morning. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for the opportunity to study this fascinating Old Testament book that's just kind of tucked in there that so often we probably ignore or don't really understand what's going on. And I thank you for the opportunity to kind of unpack it and leading us to this uh, wonderful prophet, Lord. And his message is so timely for us today uh, as it was then. And, and so, God, I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit and your word that you would use it to change us and to convict us and to draw us close to you, God. Do the work that you want to do in our church. And I ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Now, before we begin uh, today's study, I'd like to give you some background on the book of Joel. First off, there's very little that we know about the prophet of Joel, or the prophet Joel. In fact, even dating this particular uh, book is challenging. You see, unlike many other Old Testament prophets, Joel didn't introduce his work by mentioning who was on the throne in Israel or Judah. Likewise, Joel doesn't explicitly mention any specific issue that would assist in dating the book. Now, at the end of the day, the date of the book is not nearly as important as its audience and its message. You see, Joel's audience was the nation of Judah, also known as the Southern Kingdom. And a major theme uh, or message of the prophet Joel, uh, one in which he repeated often, has to do with this thing called the Day of the Lord. Say it with me, the Day of the Lord. Day of the Lord. In Scripture, the Day of the Lord refers to a time of God's judgment. A time that precedes, precedes God's restoration. And so the book of Joel opens with God's people experiencing the beginnings of God's judgment, of this type of judgment. Now the name Joel means the Lord is God. I love that. What a great uh, meaning to your name. The Lord is God. And this prophet of God had a powerful word from God to give to the people of God. And his word was clear. If Judah would repent of their sin and rebellion, there would be hope and restoration. However, if they continued in rebellion, Joel warns them of imminent and ultimate judgment. Judgment that would be even more catastrophic than what they were currently experiencing when the book opens up. And so to sum it up, the book of Joel, it was and is a warning to God's people to repent and turn back to him. Repentance brings God's blessing, and rebellion brings God's judgment. Are you with me? And so right out of the gate, Joel wastes no time in getting Judah's attention. This is a short book, and Joel packs a punch. In fact, he gives them two directives to follow. So let's begin by looking at the first. It's this, the call to listen. The call to listen. Look, let's look at verses 1 through 4. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel, hear this. You elders, give ear, all inhabitants of the land. Has such a thing happened in your days or in the days of your fathers? Tell, it, tell your children of it, and let your children tell their children and their children to another generation. What the cutting locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. 
What the swarming locust left, the hopping locust has eaten. And what the hopping locust left, the destroying locust has eaten. Let's take a break. Church, I know this goes without saying, but 2020 is only halfway over, and it's already been a year for the books, right? It's like been like a decade for the books, it feels like, right? It seems like every single day there's more and more bad news. There's been untimely deaths, unnerving riots, unsettling political division and decisions. And, and as much as I hate to say it, like, we're used to those kind of things, right? Like, they're not super surprising. We've seen them happen before. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's disturbing, but it's not necessarily new. They're not incredibly surprising. However, the one thing that we've never seen before, the one thing that was and still is quite surprising, the one thing that has thrown our entire world off course was and is the COVID-19 pandemic. In almost an instant, life as we knew it completely shut down. And even as I speak, many parts of our lives are still shut down. I mean, even the fact that we're here today having two services, wearing masks, social distancing, the whole nine yards, is a vivid illustration of how things have changed a bit, right? Church, in many ways, I believe what we're experiencing today, what you and I are feeling, was also felt by the people of Judah in the time of Joel. Why? Because their lives were radically altered by an unprecedented event. Look at what Joel says. He begins by saying, has such a thing happened in your days or in the days of your fathers? He's getting them to think like, guys, look around. Has, has anything like this happened that you could remember, right? How many could relate to that in today's world? You see, a massive plague of locusts invaded the people of Judah and completely upended their lives. You know, you may not realize this, but some of you guys, if you, if you read past all the craziness in the news a few months ago, there was like some massive plagues of locusts in Africa that were wrecking uh, like entire villages and stuff like that. So when you look at locusts, you're like, oh, that's biblical times. No, that was like happening. That was just another gift from 2020 that was happening uh, in, in Africa. So this, this is like kind of, a, kind of a real thing. And praise God we don't have those in America yet. Um, we, do have, we do have murder hornets apparently. Uh, so we got to look out for those. But see, it, it wasn't just a bad day or a bad season for the people of Judah. It was complete and total destruction. Just like our experience with the COVID-19 pandemic, Judah's sense of normalcy was wiped out. And so Joel begins by getting the attention of God's people. He compels them. He says, tell their children and their children and their children about the devastation of the locust invasion. How many of you guys think we're going to be telling our kids and their kids and their kids about the COVID-19 pandemic? This is a big deal, right? And so this is going to be something that's going to carry on uh, for a few generations. But see, what, what Joel was really trying to do is to get God's people to wake up, to look around, to pay attention, and to recognize the magnitude of the crisis that was around them, and to consider why it was happening in the first place. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 37 to 28 says, Who can command things to happen without the Lord's permission? Does not the Most High send both calamity and good? Church, during the COVID-19 crisis, have you ever sat back for like five seconds and asked, why? Why? 
Why is God, who is sovereign and omniscient and omnipotent and omnipresent, permitting this to happen? After all, if there's no accidents or coincidences with God, don't you think it's worth asking what in the world he's up to? Don't you think it's worth considering why God permitted this virus to stop the world dead in its tracks? We've never experienced anything like it before. You know, a recent poll showed that 80%, 80 of Americans believe that our country is spiraling out of control. Do you think maybe, just maybe, God is trying to get our attention? In an article entitled, A Wake-Up Call for the Church, Pastor Chip Ingram considered this question and presented what I believe to be an intriguing conclusion. And I'm just going to read what, what he had wrote. He said, What if there is in fact a God who is personal and created all that there is, who loves all people deeply and longs to have a personal and eternal relationship with them? What if his love has extended to such a degree that God the Son would come and die procure forgiveness and eternal life for whoever would turn from their selfish independence and self-focused idols to believe in him, Jesus. And what if violence, corruption, injustice, greed, power-mongering, immorality, and neglect of the poor and marginalized became so great all across the world, even among those who claim to be Jesus followers, that he allowed this evil virus to push the global pause button that caused the world to stop? What if from heaven's perspective, this is a severe mercy, a divine global intervention to get us to stop and examine ourselves and to look up and forsake wickedness and repent of our greed and our self-focus to address injustice, to help the weak, to love the poor, forgive our enemies and walk in righteousness. What if in an act of severe mercy, our Heavenly Father is taking what is meant for evil and using it for good? Look at a good parent. Like a good parent, he has put us in timeout. Far from punitive, his desire is to help us take stock, pause, evaluate our lives, our relationships, our idols, and return to him for the life that's really life. One by one, he has revealed the false gods in whom we have trusted. Our faith in the God of money to provide power, control, and security has betrayed us. Our faith in the God of hedonism that promised personal fulfillment through the next amazing experience at, the, at that trendy restaurant or the hottest concert, sporting event, exotic location, or never-ending ending cycle of weekend escapes and partying with friends. They've all come to a screeching halt. And last but far from least, our faith in the God of self that seeks to prove our value and significance through our work, our talent, our looks, or our latest accomplishments all neatly curated on our look-at-me Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn posts. It has all been put on hold for most of us. We sit at home and have no choice but to face ourselves for who we really are, minus the props of work and hobbies and busyness that kept our consciences distracted from pondering the deeper issues of life, purpose, meaning, love, God, and our response to his great mercy and generous offer of real life, both now and forever with him. And he closes with this. Many followers of Christ have prayed for many years that God would cause a great move of his spirit to happen in the world. 
that God would awaken the whole world to the greatness of his love and the certainty of his return and coming judgment. We've prayed for that here, right? In like manner, many of us have prayed that his church would be awakened to our duplicity, our hypocrisy, our hardness of heart, our own immorality, our judgmental attitude, and most importantly, the loss of our first love. God's discipline and loving, kind, and even severe mercy to bring about repentance always begins with his own children. If this global pandemic is not a wake-up call that shakes his church out of complacency and calls us back to heartfelt personal devotion, forsaking our idols, and radical acts of sacrifice and love to all those in need, then I don't know what will. Friends, these are heart-piercing words, aren't they? But how can we possibly disagree with them? Just like the locust invasion was a wake-up call to Judah, there's no doubt that the COVID-19 pandemic is a wake-up call to the church. And the question is, has the church responded to the wake-up call? And as we ponder this question, let's move on in our study. Because as Joel continues speaking, he describes in greater detail the catastrophic effects of the locust plague on the people of Judah. And in doing so, he calls on the people to do what every child of God should do when dealing with sin. And this is the second directive. The call to lament. The call to lament. Let's look at verses 5 through 12. Awake, you drunkards, and weep, and wail, all you drinkers of wine, because of the sweet wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. For a nation has come, against, come up against my land, powerful and beyond number. Its teeth are lion's teeth, and its fangs of a lioness. It was laid waste, my vine, and splintered my fig tree. It has stripped off their bark and thrown it down. Their branches are made white. Lament like a virgin wearing sackcloth for the bridegroom of her youth. The grain offering and the drink offering are cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests mourn the ministers of the Lord. The fields are destroyed. The ground mourns because the grain is destroyed. The wine dries up. The oil languishes. Be ashamed, O tillers of soil. Wail, O vine dressers, for the wheat and the barley, because the harvest of the field has perished. The vine dries up, the fig tree languishes. Pomegranate, palm, and apple, all the trees of the field are dried up, and gladness dries up from the children of man. Man, that last one. Gladness dries up from the children of man. That's... That's tough. You know, I, I heard it said that to cry is human, but to lament is Christian. To lament is to express deep regret, grief, or sorrow, but it goes even further than that. Lamenting takes your deep regrets and grief and sorrow and brings it to the Lord. In this case, Joel calls Judah to repent over the devastating results of the locust invasion and the underlying reason that caused it in the first place, which we'll get to in the weeks to come, namely their sin and their rebellion. For example, he begins by calling the drunkards to weep because the grapevines were destroyed. You know, interestingly enough, drunkenness is the only uh, sin that Joel names in this book. Uh, however, it's not the only sin that Joel intended to uh, address. In fact, many 
uh, commentators believe that the drunkards just represented really all of the careless people uh, in Judah who only desire was sin and and self-indulgence. You see, these people had a reason to weep because the things that fed their sinful pleasures were gone. Joel also called upon Judah to lament over the loss of the vines and the fig trees, which were essential to Jewish life. He called upon Judah to lament over the loss of products needed for offerings and worship to the Lord. He called upon Judah to lament over the inability for priests and ministers to perform their duties. And he called upon Judah to lament over the loss of the farmer's land and crops. Church, can you see the parallels here? Can you see the parallels over the last three months? Life has changed for us. We had to change as pastors how we do things. You guys weren't even able to be here. Our ability to worship together was impeded and life was kind of shut down people lost jobs i mean craziness right i see the parallels i'm like wow this is nuts the people of judah lost practically everything that made their society run normally including being able to worship the way god designed them to their way of life was shattered and brought to a standstill yet god in his great mercy and love Use this extreme measure to compel his people to be introspective, to take some spiritual inventory, and to lament over their sin in a way that led them to repentance and restoration. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 says, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. You know, looking at this verse, we come right down to it. When faced with our sin, there's really only one of two ways that we can respond as believers. We can lament over the consequences of our sin. In other words, we could express remorse because we got caught. Or we can lament over our spiritual condition because of our sin. Friends, God wants you and I to respond with the latter. You might remember that after Judas betrayed Christ, he mourned over the consequences of his sins, didn't he? He was filled with deep remorse and regret, yet he was unwilling to repent. And this unwillingness to repent resulted in a tragic end to his life. However, when Peter denied Christ, just in contrast, not only was he deeply remorseful, But he recognized the gravity of his sin, which led him to repent of his sin and recommit his life to Christ. And in doing so, he was spiritually restored. Friends, this is essentially what Joel was calling upon the people of Judah to do. And it's the same thing that the Lord calls you and I to do as well. And this leads us back to today's truth to remember. God's people must see sin as God sees sin. Why? Because when we start to see sin the way God sees sin, it leads to repentance, and repentance leads to restoration. You know, when we think of 2020, our minds immediately go to all the bad things that happened so far this year, right? But church, I'd like to submit that there's another way to view 2020. Can can you just bear with me for for two more minutes? There's another way to view 2020. 
If the eye doctor tells you that you have 20-20 vision, what does that mean? It means your vision is clear, right? What if God is using the year 2020 to clear up the vision of the church? What if uh, God is using 2020 to remove the spiritual fog from our eyes, to reveal areas of sin or apathy or misplaced priorities that we've been blinded to? What if God is using the year 2020 to lead us, his church, his body, to repentance and draw us back to himself? Friends, let's face it. Let's just be, be, be straight up honest. We are prone to wander, aren't we? We are prone to wander. But praise God that we have a God who will go to extreme measures to get our attention. Just like I would go through extreme measures to prevent my kids from being swept away by the waters, God will go to extreme measures to get the attention of his kids and bring them back to shore. And so as I close this morning, I don't want to discourage your spirit, but we got to get serious about this thing. I want to exhort you to just check your heart, to ask the Lord to help you see sin the way he sees sin, and then follow Peter's example. Not Judas's example, but Peter's example. You know, there's an amazing Old Testament promise that God intended for his people Israel, but I believe the principles behind the promise can be applied to believers today because after all, after all, we are his children, right? We are his people. And the wonderful promise comes from 2 Chronicles 7.14, and with this I'll close. If my people, who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Friends, I shared, with you, shared this with you last week. I'll say it again this week. The world needs a repentant church. Because man, when God's people are living in a state of repentance, we're going to be unstoppable. We're going to be unstoppable. We're going to be able to make a dent in, in all the problems that we see in our world. But man, if we're living in sin, how in the world can we expect to make any changes out there? Are you with me? Can you amen if you're with me? This time I'd like to invite the, the praise team forward. We're going to sing a closing song and then we're going to talk about, uh, I'll come back up and we'll, we'll close out the service. I'll explain how we're going to be doing that. And we're going to sing uh, just two verses of Come Thou Fount. And I love how verse 3 reminds us that we are prone to wander, but we have a God that brings us right back to himself if we, we don't resist him. And so I'm going to allow that to be my prayer over you today. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for this morning. And for the opportunity to begin this study in the book of Joel, an incredible study. Thank you for the parallels that we're able to see. And, and Lord, how we can apply the same truths that you uh, called your people uh, so many years ago to do, that we can apply them today. I pray for our church body, Lord, that we would have conviction of sin, that we would turn, God, whatever it is that, that we need to do, that we would lament and recognize, God, that, that, man, we complain so much about what's going on out there but we got to clean up our own house first. So God, whatever it is that your Holy Spirit wants to do in each individual heart this morning, that's, that's between you and, wh and whoever's here, Lord. I just pray that you would work, and God, that our church here at Grace would operate in a spirit of repentance from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.